The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes. A frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction and addicts like myself. Happy to have from uh, Delaware this morning... Steve, who uh, is also a gambler in recovery. Steve, it's Craig, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. So when was the last time you made a wager? February 20th, 2021. Uh, congratulations. So uh, we're more than two years into recovery. How does it feel? Uh, life has never been better. Right? Uh, I want to go through the entire story with you, but it's uh, great to hear you say that. I'm, I'm proud of you as a fellow you know, gambling addict, to hear you've made it through two years, it's a, it's quite an accomplishment. How old were you when you remember first kind of being exposed to gambling or starting to gamble? Uh, well, my first real gambling, I was 18, of course, growing up, playing video games in, in high school, throwing dice every now and then, a little bit of gambling that. But um, when I was 18, I went to a casino when I was in Aruba and turned $100 into $1,800 and probably was instantly hooked. Right. The big win, right? This is easy. I'm making money. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, piece of cake. It's funny. I uh, I, I played blackjack in Aruba many, 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 many years ago, and I always thought it was strange that they changed the rules when they wanted to. It was like at one point, I, I'll never forget, I had a 20, and the dealer had an 18. I'm like, all right, that's a $10 win. And the dealer said, no, I'm going to take another card. I'm like, what do you mean you're taking another card? And uh, he's like, yeah, it's a rumor. We do what we want. <laughs> so <laughs> Now that's unheard of. Yes, not smart at all, but um, I can relate to it. So you win 1800 bucks. You're a young guy. That sounds pretty good. Did you immediately say, I'm going to play blackjack or gamble now as much as I can? No. Um, really what happens after I went back to school, uh, a year or two later, I went to Penn State for a homecoming for, with a buddy of mine. And that is where I first got introduced into football sports betting. And after that weekend, um, I came home and opened up an online account and uh, really started to get it into some sports betting. And then the gambling just uh, snowballed from there. Right. Did you find that you enjoyed doing it and having a couple bucks on a game you could watch? Or was it just, hey, I won money uh, early in my life. Let me just find another avenue and even if I couldn't see the game, it was fun to have money on a game. I enjoyed it. Um, I really did enjoy betting when I first started doing it because it was for, you know, 25, 50 bucks, have a parlay on a football game and enjoyed watching it. And it didn't affect me because it seemed like early on I couldn't lose. I mean, I was the Monday night parlay king and would hit like 11 or 12 weeks in a row. So I really had a lot of early success and didn't realize the consequences that would happen later in life. Yeah, well, let's get into that. So, obviously, the more you gamble, the more you uh, enjoy some wins. You know, normally the kind of stereotypical pattern is you start betting more money because all of a sudden, you know, 25 bucks isn't enough. Like, 50 bucks isn't enough. So now I'm betting 100 bucks and onward and upward. And I'm wondering if you experienced that same kind of trajectory from a standpoint of, the financial risk you started to take 
based on what you thought was this, you know, innate ability to pick winners? Yeah, so obviously having $50 on a game quickly wasn't enough money on the game, um, no matter if I was winning or losing. The financial money increased pretty quickly. And within a year or two, I mean, it was thousands on each football game. And then that was all I could do was to, uh, you know, start studying. I thought I was smarter than Vegas, but they're in business for a reason. (laughs) And I I thought, you know, I'll just pick one game and just do that. But if you lose it, now you start chasing. And then, um, you know, one bad weekend can really destroy your life pretty quickly. Yeah, especially when you're young and you're betting more than your income, you know, allows you to pay back right away. Uh, You were doing it online. Did you also have... You know, local guys that are willing to take the action from you, or was it exclusively online? Oh, no. So, of course, you know, I couldn't always put money in online because maybe my credit card was maxed out because I didn't have a huge limit. Right. So I had to have the local bookie as well. Sure. And then, of course, I had one local bookie, then I had two local bookies, and then I had three local bookies. Right. <laughs> right. And then, uh, so, yeah. you know, you have a street agent who represents somebody, and next thing you know, you got money out all over the street. And then, you know, for me at least, it wasn't so much that it was, you know, it becomes all consuming, right? You know, you're, hey, I got to get out of work because the game's starting an hour and a half and I haven't handicapped them yet. Or, hey, I want to make sure I get the best odds on a game. And for me, although my issue was primarily blackjack and not sports wagering, although, of course, I did it at a high level, for me it was, you know, the mental – the mental capacity I had to do that and live my life astounds me now when I look back on it. But the gambling was everything. It was the processing of how much money, where's the money coming from, where's the money going if I win, you know, and trying to remember all that and keep that in place was a job in and of itself, for me at least. I assume you were similar. Yeah, so, and I guess, you know, when I was 22, 23, uh, there still weren't casinos in Delaware. So if I wasn't betting online for sports betting or through a bookie, of course, I couldn't do it in Delaware right now. I was also taking the ferry to Atlantic City and gambling Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday playing blackjack craps along with doing all the sports betting. So soon later, I was able to get markers over there. And, you know, if I was down five, ten grand to the casino, then I tried to try to make it up sports betting. And then, I mean, it just became a disaster. (laughs) So for you, what was the kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment? What was your bottom of the barrel? What happened to you where it scared you enough or made you say to yourself, Hey, I got a problem and I better go get help for it. What happened? Well, about 18 more years of losing money and lying and, and problem is I'd get caught and I'd be lucky to refinance. And, um, and then be able to start the whole process over. And when you say you got caught, you got caught by, you know, wife, family member, girlfriend, that kind of thing? I got caught by wife. I was trying to pay off my bookie, and I was trying to um, borrow money from my grandmother, and I was like, I'll just write a check out, and then I'll pay her back, you know, next week with my winnings. And, of course, the amount I was trying to borrow was too much, and the bank flagged it, and next thing you know, you know, I get caught for the first time. And then... um. But the process just kept being the same over and over. And, um, I mean, I've been married 18 years. And the last time I was maxed out on credit cards, I was payday loans, car loans, 
Um, you know, and I just couldn't take the mental stress of it anymore. And I didn't, I couldn't beg, borrow, or steal another nickel. You know, I needed, I had to pay a certain amount off to um, an online, uh, what was it, horse racing account. And, you know, I, I needed the money by Friday. And I finally came clean and, well, finally admitted that I had a problem and decided to actually try to get help and fix my issues. Who'd you admit you had the problem to? Your wife? Uh, well, I, my wife, my parents. Um, cause I had to borrow money off my parents to pay off the online horse betting account. And yeah. then, of course, my wife knew I had an issue, but I I kept weaseling my way out of it somehow. And, um, you know, I couldn't do it anymore. Was there ever the thought, and I apologize for asking this, but was there ever the thought of, the easiest way out of this problem is not to wake up tomorrow? You know, sometimes that goes through your head when you're driving. I, I was more like when I was driving to work or something, I was like, yeah, what if I just went over the edge of the bridge and right. didn't have to worry about the chaos that it caused? But then on top of it, though, I'm like, you know, I have a wife and kids, and then if I do that and I'm selfish because I was already selfish gambling, I'm going to cause more problems, and, and I couldn't do that. But did thoughts of suicide ever cross my head? Absolutely. Got it. We're going to take a quick break and hear the uh, next part of the story, which actually does get good and positive. And it'll be a good message for those of you out there that are struggling with gambling addiction. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Happy to have Steve here, gambling recovery from Delaware. So the proverbial poop hits the fan, you come clean to your family that you got a problem and you really did it to be fair. It was kind of like, you know, to get out of a jam. Like you didn't do it for the right reasons at the time. You did it because as I did it, you know, you, you know, it, it's, it's a way out of a problem. Uh, eventually you got to the steps of let me better myself. But when you first told your family, it was to get their help uh, to pay off some debts you had, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I knew about uh, GA or problem gambling, you know, groups and stuff like that. And I said, look, I need help. I have to pay this off, and I will go get help if you help pay off my debt. And that's where it initially began. Right. Like, do me a solid, and I promise you I'll get the help I need. But at the end of the day, at, the, at that moment, it was more about I need somebody to get me out of this jam they're the only people I can go to because they love me. And if I got to pay lip service to get an help, I'm going to do it because they're going to make one of my problems go away. Yes, I need a, a, a bailout. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. Got it. So when you first went you know, to GA or talked to somebody, I assume your heart wasn't 100% into it. But what did you think about you know, those early meetings you might have gone to? And I only asked because I hated them. I walked out of half a dozen GA meetings and said it ain't for me. I'm not doing it. And it wasn't until I walked into the right room, for me at least, that I said, okay, I think these people can be a part of the solution for me. But at the beginning, I mean, I literally, I walked out of six different rooms and hated it. Yeah, so funny. 15 years before I got help this time, I actually tried going to some GA meetings. The problem is I had to drive 45 minutes, and then it was with 10 
you know, people 40 years older than me. And I was like, this sucks. I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) But now that I found a group and it's online or, you know, it's through Zoom and I don't have to travel and I've learned to really appreciate and um, enjoy going to the meetings now. Like I look forward to trying to make as many as I can because I've learned to enjoy them and they help me. Yeah, that's great. You know, I, I have found that, you know, there are certain people in these meetings that are helpful. And I've told this story, you know, many times in the show, but just for your benefit, I was in a GA room and there's a guy that has been going to GA for like 30 years, right? And he's like a 60 something year old guy, great guy, was a blue collar guy, he's now retired. And I remember talking to him after a meeting over a donut and, uh, you know, soda. And I said, you know, why do you still come to this room? Like, it's been 30 years. You clearly have this beat. You you haven't gambled in 30 years. Why you come here anymore? Like, go live your life. And he said, the reason I haven't gambled in 30 years is because because I do come here every single uh, week. And that resonated with me uh, that even 30 years later, you know, the guy's got grandkids now. He's retired. He's got all the trappings of success later in life. And he overcame this terrible addiction that he doesn't trust himself if he didn't come to a meeting. And I, I found that to be absolutely fascinating. And I found myself drawn more to the older guys than the guys my age because, you know, their life experience is something that we could all learn from. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that because – the older guys that are in the groups that I go to, I really enjoy listening to their stories. And then the younger people now that are coming in, now that I'm in a, two years or more of recovery, they remind me why I'm here. Right. Because they're you, this, right? Yes, that is yeah. correct. And yep. by hearing their pain reminds me that I don't want to go back to the pain that I was in. Yeah, I, I do ago. find there are times where, you know, I'll try to counsel. I'll be asked to counsel, as I'm sure you have now two years in a younger member, somebody who's new to the meeting. And there are moments where I get very frustrated where, you know, they, you know, lie to me like I would have lied to them if when I was in their shoes. And I'll get a call, you know, three weeks later when they've told me they've been, uh, you know, gambling free, and they'll admit that they gambled that morning. And now I see how frustrating it was for the people in my life when I lied to them. And it's almost like come full circle now where, you know, I'm on the other side and I've got kids who were me 100%, you know, five, six years ago. And I now get why it's so frustrating being in the life of somebody who's an addicted gambler. It's maddening. Yeah, you know, and I guess I look like this way. I deserve it. Yeah, there's no (laughs) doubt about that. We deserve everything coming to us. You're right. You're, You're right about that. For people that are listening to this, Steve, I always try to end the show on a positive note, and that is if I had said to you, you know, four years ago, you're going to be gamble-free. You would have been like, you're out of your mind. No, I'm not going to be gamble-free. I like gambling. I want to gamble, blah, blah, blah. But now that you've been, you know, two years of recovery, which is, again, amazing, and like you said to start the show off, you know, life is fantastic, better than it's ever been. You know, you're not far enough away from it where you don't remember what it was like when you first took that step towards recovery. And for so many people, that first step is by far the hardest step. What do you say to those people that are listening to this now saying, you know, I'm pretty sure I got a problem, but, man, I ain't going to GA. I ain't going to get help. I'll figure it out on my own end. You know, I'll never live a great life. I'll never have, 
you know, financial security. I'll never earn the respect and trust and love of my friends and family again. And it's daunting and the walls are caving in. What do you say to that guy right now? Well, first of all, you don't realize how much time gambling consumes your life and how you're not paying attention. Even if you're in the same room with your wife or kids or your loved ones, you're not even paying attention to them because you're more concerned about what your money's on. So I found that, A, the freedom of not having that disease controlling all aspects of my life is the hugest thing. I wake up in the morning and I don't have to figure out where's my money coming to pay my losses from the day before. I'm not stressed out about having to figure out what game I'm going to bet on today to try to make money. And then I'm not worried about watching the stupid games at night anymore. I'm not consumed with all that. So the freedom by the disease not winning is miraculous. And then you start to learn to enjoy the people that are in your life and you, and you start to enjoy the things that you never thought that you would have. And it's funny because, you know, I got to work hard to make money, but I'm not worried about where my money's going anymore. Sure. I know it's going to the right place. And that's such a relief. I mean, that truly is such a relief. Yeah. You're not wasting it anymore. Yeah. No, right. Yeah, like, cause sure. it ain't, it's not easy to earn it, but it's easy to blow it. There's no doubt about that. Well, listen, I'm really proud of you. I'm so glad you could share your story with us. And I do think it resonates. I think young guys out there and gals here will uh, maybe uh, relate to uh, any aspect of it. That'll lead them to go down the right road to try to get some help. And if, if there's a message uh, that I would share with people with you on the phone, Steve, it's that if Steve can make it two years and I'm now closing in on five at the end of a June coming up and knock on wood, I get there then there's no doubt anybody listening to this show right now can get to exactly where we are at. It's doable, it's possible, but it starts with you looking in the mirror and being honest. You have to take ownership that you're the problem. You have to take ownership that you are an addicted gambler, that you gamble in an unhealthy manner, that gambling has become too much of a part of your life. And once you take ownership of it and you're honest about it, then I would ask you to just believe me and Steve, I know you'll vouch for me on this. Anything you want to accomplish in life, you can absolutely accomplish. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you, everything you said is 100% correct. And, you know, 25 years of my life was consumed by gambling. And I can tell you the last two years have been the best part of my last, you know, out of the 44 years that I've been alive have been the best two. So well, I think that's 100%, great. 100% possible to get healthy but you have to want to there's no ifs ands or buts you yes. have to want to stop no and that's a good point no one's gonna no one's gonna make you get healthy no one can help you get healthy until you decide you want to be healthy that's very well said steve i appreciate your time pal be well if i can ever return the favor by all means uh, let me know i'd be happy to do it and uh keep on doing what you're doing uh it's great and you're a testament to recovery and i really appreciate you sharing your story with us thank you well, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, if you ever want to talk again, you let me know. Got it. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that's Steve in Delaware. I mean, I know it sounds preachy and like I'm on a soapbox, but, you know, there was a, you know, my life, it played out publicly. Obviously, you guys all know the story. But when gambling becomes all-consuming and, you know, the reason you breathe, to then go a period of time without doing it and recognizing that in every possible way, 
life is better. And I say that recognizing that, you know, I still deal with significant issues and problems in my life as a result of being a knucklehead. I'm not free and clear from dealing with the government or financial issues and any of that stuff. It's still a big part of my life, but every day I wake up, I wake up with a smile on my face. I'm blessed to be on the radio and on TV. I'm blessed that I have the majority of my family in my life in a very active uh, manner. I'm blessed that I have friends that care about me. And I'm blessed that I have this great opportunity to also share the message with you guys that, you know, it's okay to acknowledge you have a problem and there is help out there for you and you can overcome the addiction. And for whatever anyone ever wants to say about me, if they acknowledge that I use this platform that I'm blessed to have to try to pay my luck, success, second opportunity, however you want to call it, forward and help other people, I just hope that's a part of my legacy. You can say all the bad things about me and the things I did, all the self-inflicted nonsense I caused myself and ultimately my family, coworkers, loved ones. But if someone one day acknowledges that through all the negative crap out there that I tried to help other people as a result of my issues, then uh, I will die a happy man. And I know that's morbid, but it's real and it's how I feel. And my gut is that if I live my life that way, there will come a day when my kids and grandkids, you know, remember the life I lived, that they remember it uh, with pride. And that's how I try to live my life every day now. So I appreciate you listening. To Hello, My Name is Craig. Joe Beningo's coming up next solo. Afternoon Evan apparently is too big to do Saturdays anymore. But he and I are back Monday at 2 o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And thank you so much for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.